Hello all and welcome to the latest episode of the Horror Countdown Podcast. I'm your host Donna Nelly and with me tonight is filmmaker Tim O'Leary. Hey, how's it going? Hi, welcome aboard. (laughs) All right, so uh, for tonight we figured this would be a uh, special Pride Month celebration episode for uh, the first month of June. We're going to be discussing our favorite post-2000 LGBTQ plus genre films. So, yeah, yeah, I uh, figure this is a, uh, you know, perfect time to uh, celebrate the occasion and, uh, you know, get our footing out and, uh, you know, honor something that is more than worthy and, uh, you know, deserving of praise. Uh, I agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, I, I've always, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I, am a member but I'm, i've mm-hmm. always uh, aligned with the movement and i've always been a fan of you know their content you know to me it was always just a horror film so yeah, yeah totally. that yeah that was just always how i approached it i never really made much of a distinction until um i, I noticed that there was movements to you know spearhead this a little bit more vocally and a little bit more uh, you know forcefully so to speak but it, it was an easy movement to, uh, you know, find myself aligned with. So I, I figured this would be a, an easy one to, uh, you know, get our list together and kind of talk about. But um, in occasion for, uh, you know, your end of the bargain, uh, what was the uh, choice for doing it now? And uh, I, I mean, I, I assume the month is a big part of it. But, uh, you know, what was the, uh, you know, impetus for doing this? And, uh, you know, you want to talk about any part of the, you know, selection process or anything like that? you know sure yeah i mean uh, look i love a gimmick so if there's a if there's a theme to a month i'm i'm all in and um i i am a member of the lgbtqia community i'm the most boring version of it which is a cisgender uh gay man and doesn't get less interesting than that but um uh you know growing up um being a, a gay person but also being a huge horror fan uh, left, uh, I think probably a lot of guys my my age and, and older, a, a little bit like feeling like they didn't really belong in, in either camp because um, uh, horror was not necessarily an enormous, um, at least not an openly enormous part of the gay community. And then also queerness was definitely not a big part of horror. But what what sort of come to light, you know, with the, the wonderful thing about the birth of the internet is that it gave everybody a sort of connection to any kind of communities that they could hope for. And I think this was certainly my experience, and I imagine this was probably true for a lot of other gay horror fans as well, is that we learned just how many LGBTQIA horror fans there are. And I can tell you personally, as a horror filmmaker, one of the things that really uh, that I wasn't expecting necessarily, and I was very happy to have my eyes opened about this when I was um, crowdfunding for for uh, my series Demon Hunter, is that the the horror fandom at large tends to be very welcoming of people that are traditionally othered, um, and I think that's something that's really beautiful and is not actually talked about a lot. Um, but the the horror fandom, the horror community, is really embracing of people that are not necessarily like them. You know, like it was one thing, I remember I was talking to um, uh, this guy uh, who was a, a straight horror fan and he, he had just watched Hellbent, which we're, I'm, you know, we're both gonna talk about, which is the 2004, 2005 um, gay oh, yeah. film. And oh, yeah. he said that like, he really enjoyed it because 
it, it, like he he just loves oh i forgot to ask am i allowed to curse or no i can slap an explicit label on this so it's not an issue um oh, I, okay. I i work pg but uh the format offers an explicit label so go okay. <laughs> here's the deal man i usually get an explicit label tacked against my name whenever i do anything i'm oh. gonna i'm gonna try to not swear we'll see how i go um but uh um but anyway, he just, he loves slasher movies. So when he saw Hellbent, the gay aspect of it didn't bother him. He was just excited to see any kind of slasher that was even remotely well done. And I think that, I think he was probably representative of a lot of people in the horror community where, you know, they just want a movie that's scary. That's it. And you know, a good scary movie is a good scary movie, no matter, you know, where it sort of falls in terms of representation. So yeah, in my very roundabout way, I hope I answered your question. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I mean, I was kind of similar like that. I mean, I, you know, I had seen a couple. I mean, I had probably stumbled across a few David Dakota films. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I, none of those made my list in any format, but um, I, I, I had seen a couple of them. Um, uh -huh. I believe um, the Brotherhood films had come out before. Yeah. And, oh, uh, the Brotherhood films. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a there was maybe like one or two that I had seen. Um, the, the names escape me because, uh, you know, it's been so long and they weren't that good to begin with. <laughs> no, no, yeah. they were not. Yeah, but you know, but, um, I, one of the- Yeah, that was, mm -hmm. uh, what I was, was gonna say is that that was kind of like the first inclination that there was something other than, you know, like the mainstream kind of, you know, red-blooded American male kind of genre films. But- <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah, um, after, like I said, um, I, I, I mean, Hellbent is, uh, you know, on my list, so it's not really going to be much of a spoiler. But uh, yeah, well, that one was kind of like, you know, the, the, the main one that kind of alerted me to there being more out there than just, you know, the regular stuff that would, you know, appeal to, you know, straight men like me. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, Hellbent is, uh, you know, a, a pretty prominent name and it's one that uh, it, it has a point of pride on my list. Um, I, I've talked about it on a, another show where we discussed our favorite in general, which is kind of, um, I was going to say like the reason why we're doing post 2000 is that I've already done the genre in general. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I've covered like the entire spectrum. Um, I, that was episode 10. Um, for those that are curious about looking at uh, the genre as a whole. So I'm sure uh, Friday the 13th part two was mentioned <laughs> in uh, actually in... no. Get um, out of, are you serious? Friday two was not nightmare two was I think I think oh, that's wait, where you... I'm sorry. I'm Nightmare sorry. Two, I'm not, yeah. Was that I say Friday the 13th? Part yeah, two? you said Friday too. Oh yeah. my God. I just lost all of my horror bona fides <laughs> with that one Freudian yeah. slip. Sorry, everybody. No worries. That's I meant was, Nightmare 2. That's what, I was trying to correct, <laughs> that's what I was trying to correct you. Yeah, Nightmare 2 came up. Thank you. Um, yeah, Nightmare 2 came up. Um, we discussed a little of, um, you know, the early stuff, like the, you know, Dracula's daughter came up. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. A couple of the, you know, Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, Sleepaway Camp, a couple mm -hmm. of the, uh, you know, early um, lesbian vampire films. Um, oh, Hunger. yeah, The Hunger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that kind uh, of stuff. So about, where do you fall on Rocky Horror Picture Show? Do you do you accept that as an actual horror movie or is it just too silly? For that? So the funny thing on my list was that me and our guest both had it actually the exact same spot for the exact same reason. <laughs> That's funny. What was the reason and what was the spot? Uh, we both had it at number four. Okay. And we both had it because it aligned itself so closely to the genre, even though it kind of falls outside the scope of it. But right. it fall it's so closely associated with the genre that it's sort of just become like a, an adopted child, so to speak. 
I love that. that it was kind of like, you know, the genre was like the genre fans, were like the first ones to like, you know, embrace it and take, you know, take it up in arms and like, you know, proclaim it for what it is, sure. even though it doesn't necessarily fall in line with a lot of it. It uses, you know, genre tropes and imagery and allegory and stuff like that, but it doesn't necessarily fit in. So we both kind of said, you know, it's worthy of being nominated and is worthy of being mentioned, but it's not like our number one. Yeah, I would say that it definitely wears the costume of a horror movie without actually ever being a horror movie. Yeah, that was uh, that was yeah. how we uh, we both fell on that one. But um, yeah, yeah, it, we, we we both had uh, we both had it at number four, and that was kind of like the the funny thing about um, that conversation. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, episode ten is uh, the episode where we discussed um, you know queer you know LGBTQ plus genre films as a whole mm -hmm. so that was kind of the impetus for doing post 2000 um, with you with you know honoring you know a little bit more recent stuff uh, because there was a couple of films that um, I had seen since uh, that conversation um, mm -hmm. just on my own uh, own accord uh, so that kind of uh, you know just further spurred what the, this episode is going to be so nice um, yeah, so uh, yeah. if uh, we're ready and we're uh, ready to get started, let's uh, start in on our lists. Awesome, I'm all in. So uh, yeah, mine, uh, my number 10, so I'll get this going. Uh, my number 10, um, I, I kind of uh, discovered this one kind of recently. Um, I, I initially, when we came together and we discussed this, uh, we had kind of talked back and forth about what kind of films we were going to put on our list. and. Uh, this one wasn't mentioned because I had kind of discovered it recently um, as I was going through a bunch of lists trying to find, you know, like honorable mentions, just to, like see if there is something else that had just kind of slipped through the cracks and, uh, you know, seeing if there's something, you know, something else that I had missed. Um, I came across this one and uh, I went with 2020 Spiral. Ah, yes. Okay. Yeah. So um, this is not, you know, the book from the Book of Saw. Uh, you know, this is not, uh, you know, one of the, you know, numerous other films that have kind of popped up it's you know a pretty generic title but um it's a uh, Canadian film I think it's probably would align itself more with like a cult film just based on the finale but um real briefly here it's a uh, you know same-sex couple that moves uh with their daughter to a small town out in the countryside and uh you know neighbors seem a little friendly they're not necessarily sure how to deal with them you know accepting but kind of you know keeping them with at odds until they start to realize that there's strange incidences and behaviors and you know things just aren't as you you know friendly as they initially appear to be and it kind of goes from there you know like i said i'm trying not to you know be too spoiler free if you mm -hmm. haven't seen it but um right. <laughs> yeah I, I had a lot of fun with it um it kind of deals with a lot more than what you would think it would be based on, you know, the premise. There's a lot of, you know, it did, you know, deals with paranoia and mental illness, but uh, it also deals kind of like, you know, it, it, interracial marriage and, it, you know, the, the fact that, you know, it's a black guy and a white guy together and they're raising a teenage daughter, you know, one of them had a, you know, a daughter when they were straight and, you know, they have custody of them now. So mm -hmm. it kind of deals with those kind of issues, but then, you know, it starts dealing with the horror aspect and not necessarily the greatest stuff. I mean, there's a few kind of, you know, scenes here and there just to like, you know, get the ball rolling and you know, give like an eerie atmosphere, but it kind of like, you know, goes full out at the ends. Um, although it just at that point feels like a little too little too late kind of. 
So it, it kind of fell on my list a little bit because of that, just because mm -hmm. it doesn't, you know, it, it deals with the issues more than it does deal with the horror aspects. So it kind of, you know, yes. fell on my list a little, but Agreed. It, it, it's still uh, good enough that I, I, um, I, I enjoyed my time with it. So um, if you can find it, I believe it's still on Shutter. I think it was a Shutter original. So uh, original or exclusive? Or exclusive, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Uh, original yeah. exclusive. I, I get those two mixed up because they use them so interchangeably. Oh, because I am um, just because I, I have a stuff in distribution. I know the difference. Oh, OK. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big difference there. Usually yeah. just in terms of the paycheck that goes to the people that made it. <laughs> so, oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> Not to be too inside baseball, but oh, you know, that's but... the difference there. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, worth a watch if you can find it, uh, you know, be sure it's, you know, the one from 2020, because, you know, like I said, generic title. But uh, my number 10 is Spiral. I do, you know, I will say I, I saw it and I did enjoy it. Um, and, uh, oh God, now, see, now I'm, now I'm blanking. Wait, hold on. Give me one second. I'm going to remember the name. Jeffrey Boyer Chapman, who plays the the lead, um, is just one of the hottest guys I think I've yeah. ever seen. <laughs> so it was very enjoyable to just watch him kind of navigate, you know, and I, I you know, before I saw him on, um, uh, what was the the spoof of the reality show of making The Bachelor? Is it Unreal? I think that was it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I believe so. I, I I get a lot of the the straight was, ones confused with the spoof ones. With the spoof ones, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I believe. That, yeah, you know, I think the black. I think the Bachelor one is Unreal, if uh, my memory serves me. I think I think that's the one. Yeah, but oh god, yeah, he's just such a he's a very very good looking dude, and he he um is on. Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race quite a bit. It was actually a, a host on the Canadian one. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I am not that familiar with the Canadian one. I, I've seen bits and pieces of the American one, just, you know, being around um, a lot of friends that's, that like it, but... Mm -hmm. Well, now it's like ESPN, so there's Drag yeah. Race Spain and Drag Race UK and Drag Race... Oh, uh, okay, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I know that there's, a like I said, I know there's a, a few around the world, but um, I'm not that familiar with those, so mm -hmm. yeah, if it's, a, if it's the Canadian version, um, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> uh, okay, so my turn, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Number 10. All right. So number 10, I have uh, a film called What Keeps You Alive. And it, uh, from what I understand, was originally written to be a straight couple and then at some point changed to a lesbian couple. But it's, um, it's, a, it's a great film. It's very taut and it's very uh, small. So I think there's only four characters in the entire movie, two of whom are only on screen for, you know, a few minutes. But um, it's a really tense thriller about a lesbian couple. And they go to the cabin that uh, by a lake that one of them owns. And so our hero, Jules, uh, and her wife, Jackie, go to this cabin, they're hanging out. Jules is a very um, kind of tomboyish, almost sort of androgynous uh, uh, woman. And her wife, Jackie, is very beautiful and glamorous, long blonde hair. And we learn pretty quickly that Julie or sorry, not Julie, uh, Jackie is in fact a uh, violent murderous psychopath who marries women and then kills them. So <laughs> kind of a Black Widow of the lesbian variety. And um, the majority of the movie is really mostly a cat and mouse game where Jules is, uh, you know, she attempts to avoid being killed. There's a lot of chasings. There's a lot of scenes where they're running through woods. There's psychological manipulation. One of the things I really liked about it was that the hero 
is Jules, who is the more androgynous of the two. And then the very feminine presenting one is the psycho killer. And I think in lesser hands, those two would have been switched. It kind of plays with our expectation of gender presentation. Um, and yeah, and it's just a fun, low budget thriller with a lot of murder in it. So I think you can get that on Shudder. If not, you could probably get that somewhere on Amazon, surely. But yeah, that's my, that's my number 10. Nice. Um, I, I I saw that on a couple of lists and I tried to get to it. It was, uh, I, I think I had it right up after Spiral because I think it is on Shutter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think it was right after Spiral, but I just, I didn't have time to finish it. But um, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm definitely intrigued because it, 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 it popped up quite frequently. So it, it, you know, it was one of those that I, you know, wanted to get to, but uh, just couldn't, unfortunately. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll move on to uh, my number nine. Uh, this one, uh, I, I'm still not entirely sure where I fall on this one because I'm kind of, I lean back and forth on it. And I, I go, you know, sometimes I love it, sometimes I hate it, but um, I, I, I still felt that it deserved a, a place on my list. I went with 2009's Jennifer's Body. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. That's on my list too. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I go back and forth on this one. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not really, you know, interested in uh, detailing this one as much as I did Spiral because I think it's a little bit more popular. But what I really like about it is also the part that I really kind of hate about it is I go back and forth on their friendship um, so mm -hmm. often that I, I don't really have like a firm standing on where the, where I am with the two of them. Okay. Uh, there's points where, you know, they feel genuine and they come off, you know, like a genuine couple. And, you know, I mean, the obvious sexual tension between them kind of, you know, plays a major factor in that. But then there's also points where... I, they just look too old to be teen to be you know high school teenagers and it just makes them look it just makes them look so weird spotting off that hip dialogue and that's you know the slang talk and the abbreviations and you know all that kind of stuff it mm -hmm. they just look a little too old to be doing those kinds of roles i don't know yeah, if that's okay. just because you know i'm more familiar with how they are now that mm -hmm. you know they you know I'm, I'm projecting onto them now rather than how they are then but it it, it just really affects me and i i go back and forth between liking it and loving it for that reason um mm -hmm. but i think because a lot of it is you know the film centers around the two of them to the point where you know they're the stars on screen 95 percent of the time the entire film you know reads like you know her going through all this massacre just trying to win her over and you know, like get her on her side and you know it plays like you know this kind of like odd seduction kind of you mm -hmm, know totally yeah yeah it plays like this odd kind of like you know seduction attempt you know like mating mating dance right. kind of mm -hmm. so yeah it, you know kind of like you know normalizing you know like a same-sex kind of a relationship in this kind of a sense even though you know it's doing it where, you know, one of them is, a, you know, a legitimate monster, you know, figuratively and literally. Mm -hmm. It's still fun. It's still, you know, good. Um, like I said, I still have, you know, points where I really like it. And, you know, there's still a lot to enjoy here. But because I go back and forth on it so often, I kind of, you know, dropped it a little bit lower on my list. But yeah, overall, uh, my number nine is Jennifer's Body. Fair enough. Now I should probably hold off on my comments on it, right? Until we yeah, get to it um, on my list. 
yeah i mean yeah you said you you had it on your list so that's uh, good enough but yeah um the, you know you want to bring it up on your your slot uh you're sure. free to do so i'm probably just so you know I'm, I'm warning you ahead of time i am probably at some point going to try to do an impersonation of amanda cyphery doing an impersonation of elizabeth holmes where she drops her voice really low because <laughs> uh, i'm not sure if you've seen um the dropout on hulu but um i can't stop watching it <laughs> i can't <No>. stop <laughs> watching her do this like crazy psychopath voice anyway um all right so my number nine um, funny you should bring up uh, David Dakota earlier. This is not a David Dakota film, but it's kind of the larger budget spiritual successor of a David Dakota film. So it's called The Covenant um, and it came out in 2006, I wanna say. Um, and I'll never forget the first time I heard of this movie, I was hanging out with a bunch of my gay male friends in Albany, New York, where, we were just, where I was living at the time. And um, the, like we were watching something and then a commercial for the covenant came on and everybody stopped talking and we were all watching this commercial in silence because we were like wait is this about boy witches this is amazing uh, but uh the movie itself is um uh they, what it is it is a film that came out <laughs> and i'll just i'll merely say um one of the fun parts about the plot is that it shows like boy witches are kind of just as petty and bitchy, if not pettier and bitchier than their female counterparts. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's claim to fame, I think, is that it has really early performances from Sebastian Stan and uh, Taylor Kitsch and Chase Crawford. I'm not gonna lie, I don't remember a huge amount of the plot because <laughs> the movie was, was what it was, but the fact that it exists is amazing. Um, it's kind of like a so bad it's good kind of film and certainly more homoerotic than explicitly queer. But um, it's, it, you know, if you want to watch something that reeks of 2000s energy uh, and is fun and, and you can just sort of watch it, leave it in the background, highly recommend The Covenant. Yeah, um, I, 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 saw it, I saw it a couple of times. Um, mm -hmm. I enjoy it, but I'm not like really that high on it. So it's kind of weird. I've seen it a few times. Um, I usually just watch it more in a, you know, I'm in the mood for like, you know, a 90, you know, a 90 style kind of like, you know, teen mm -hmm. PG-13, you know, genre effort, because it yes. feels very much like one of those kinds of, you know, films that would have come out, you know, like around the Scream era, just, you know, mm -hmm. not without the, you know, meta-ness or anything. Right, right, right. But exactly. yeah, it, yeah, it feels very much like that kind of like, you know, mainstream kind of genre fare, but yeah, the, I think the most disappointing thing of the whole movie was that like we it, everything gets set up for this climax where um, Sebastian Stan and the and the protagonists are just gonna throw down magically and just try to, you know, kill each other in this big magic fight. And kind of all they do is like throw energy balls at each other. Like you kind of yeah. think like if they're witches, they could get really inventive with how these two guys would fight. But um, it kind of leaves a little to be desired there. But, yeah. You know. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my number eight, um, this one, a bit of a cheat, but okay. um, I, I kind of decided to, uh, you know, lump them together. Uh, this is the Fear Street trilogy. Ah, yes. Also on my list. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> cool. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I, I kind of think uh, well, I put them on the list because, you know, one, you know, the entire film, <laughs> the entire series is basically, you know, a, a same sex kind of, you know, reconciliation, you know, project because all of the films lead up to, you know, the one girl trying to win her girlfriend back or 
not necessarily <clears throat> win her back, but like, you know, get back together by getting rid of this curse that's possessed her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, dealing with this three-part series that got, you know, a lot of national, you know, attention in the genre fair because it was, you know, this big priority project on Netflix kind of, you know, I, I think, you know, like solidified the idea kind of really, really easily. All mm-hmm. of the, you know, films they're dealing, you know, they all have their, you know, closet kind of queer, you know, storylines. You know, the first film is basically, you know, the two of them getting to get, you know, setting up their relationship and, you know, setting the, you know, I'm trying to come up with the proper term, but like possession, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like trying to, you know, like get, you know, get rid of her, the, you know, the possession, the second one kind of details the, you know, events back in the, you know, old, you know, the some at the summer camp, right? The seventies. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, you know, you have the, you know, closet witches in the, you know, 1666 section, but mm-hmm. the, the fact that all three of them kind of came together and were, you know, centered around the storyline and the setup, I really enjoyed it, and uh, I, I do enjoy all three films to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I I go back and forth between one and two being my favorites, and then three is just a slight step back. So agreed, I, agreed. Yeah. yeah, three, three. I, I still enjoy. I have a lot of fun with, but I kind of was a little disappointed that it set itself up as sixteen sixty six, like you know it spends the least amount of time in 1666. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah. kind of the disappointing thing. Yeah. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, part one, the entire project is 1994. I mean, that makes sense because it's setting the storyline up. Right. But, you know, two being 78, 98% of it is set in 78. And then, you know, the third one, 66, like half the movie is set there. So it, you know, just feels a little weird to, you know, it be the, the big end all end all kind of setup. But mm-hmm. it spends the least amount of time in its chosen year, so. True, true. But yeah, yeah um, I, I still enjoy all three. I had a lot of fun with each of them. Um, I, I definitely can see why some would, you know, favor one over the other because I, I do enjoy all three. But, um, you know, to feature like this big, you know, trilogy, multi-arcing storyline centers around this, you know, couple fighting to stay together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, kind of, you know, it. Uh, deserves a spot on my list for that reason so uh like i said a bit of a cheat to put them together but uh (laughs) my number eight is uh the fear street trilogy i mean i did the same cheat so we're we're good were you a um were you an rl stein kid i i kind of grew up just after he came out so yeah so Yeah. yeah i was already in middle school when the first book was released okay so he yeah i just missed him i i saw a lot of my friends reading it but Mm -hmm. i was just outside of the age range to be tempted to do it i well i think so i'm a little older than you i think i was in school like in grade school when kids were reading them but i was such a wimp that i was scared by the covers of the books so i didn't (laughs) read them (laughs) oh yeah yeah (laughs) um all right so my uh, my number eight is seed of chucky um and so I just have to put this out there as a disclaimer in the very beginning. It goes without saying, and this is the law, by the way, I didn't make this up, that Jennifer Tilly's presence in any film she's in automatically makes it a, an iconic work of queer fiction. Uh, she's just incredible. She's amazing in everything. She is a queer icon. Um, and she gets to play two roles in this movie, which is really fun. Um, 
So the plot revolves around uh, Chucky and Tiffany, who in the previous movie, Bride of Chucky, it's revealed that she was his love interest and then she transfers her soul into a doll. Um, anyway, they have a son named Glenn who turns out to be actually genderqueer and is both a boy named Glenn and a girl named Glenda. Um, and it's a little rocky in terms of being like actual legit trans representation, but I'm gonna say for early 2000s, it's pretty good. Um, Glenn is never, Glenn slash Glenda is never really, uh, uh, shoot, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this without cursing. <laughs> He's never the, the real recipient, or I should say they are never really the recipient of too much ire for their gender fluidity, which is really cool for 2004. Um, the plot is very silly. The kills are really, really fun. Like I said, Jennifer Tilly plays Tiffany, but she also plays a fictionalized version of herself, which is incredible. Um, and I know that some people in the Child's Play fandom prefer the darker Chucky films and really don't like Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky for being too light and funny and kind of making fun of the, the um, series, maybe more than owning up to the darkness of it, but I actually really love them. And um, also honorable mention is that in the new Chucky TV series, the lead is a gay teenager. So, you know, Don Mancini is really, he's out there for the, for the community for sure. And so, nice. that, yeah, so that's my number eight. <laughs> nice, yeah. Um, I, when I first saw it, I, I really liked it as well. I thought there was a lot of fun with it. Um, Cause I had actually seen, um, well, the first one I'd seen was Bride. So that was my introduction to the series. That was your first Child's Play movie? Well, uh, actually, Bride was. Uh, oh. Well, funny story is that Bride is actually like the first legitimate horror film I've I watched that I actually liked. Really? Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Okay, so yeah, so that, you well, were really introduced to like horror comedy as the as the sort well, of. Well, the thing is, is that I didn't watch it because it was a comedy. I watched it because the trailer made it look good. <laughs> I re- so I remember. So yeah, um, I I wasn't really like a huge genre fan growing up, okay. but I saw the trailer and I was like, oh man, I gotta watch this. Mm-hmm. And so I, I saw it when it came to uh, cable TV. Mm-hmm. So the, um, Bright is like, um, I, I've always credited Bright as being um, the first one. Um, I had seen a couple, um, you know, I had I, seen, you know, like Deep Rising, um, you know, Jaws, okay. sure, uh, you sure, know, sure. Alien. But there wasn't really stuff that at the time I considered horror, even though I do now. Mm-hmm. So I, I always said, you know, Bride was uh, the first legitimate horror film I watched um and then you know after that you know you see you know Texas Chainsaw Halloween you know Friday and then it's kind of like okay well all the classics yeah Yeah. it gets the ball rolling and it kind of like you know gets you into it but see mine was um mine was Scream so uh, (laughs) the first movie I saw was an homage to all these other movies so it was kind Uh, (laughs) of an interesting like yeah that was yeah yeah that's kind of how I was because I I realized that there was a lot of like little in jokes that I didn't get exactly that's how i was with scream too but yeah, yeah um yeah. I, I still really enjoyed bright uh, a lot so i you know to bring it to seed um i'd seen seed first before i'd seen the other so i was kind of not into it because of that but i'd seen that first so i was kind of like aware that it was kind of jokey <laughs> so i i liked seed because of that but then i i kind of you know soured a little just because others had started pointing out flaws and it's like you know why do they do this and why do they do that and you know like all this other you know like you know 
issues with the you know storyline and motivations and stuff like that so it kind of soured me just slightly but not enough to like really hate the film I, i'm not mm-hmm. like a hater of the film I, I just kind of find it like you know like average it's it's one that i really only watch if i'm like binging this the franchise sure 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 totally yeah yeah awesome yeah cool. moving on to uh my number seven i went with 2005's cursed <laughs> oh cursed so yeah um cheesy to the max uh you know not necessarily the most uh you know amazing werewolf film ever but i i kind of have this on my list for uh one main reason and that is uh the fact that the um one of the characters in the film he's you know a bully who bullies you know jesse eisenberg's character for being gay mm-hmm. and it turns out he himself is actually gay you know, it's a, you know, reveal that comes across uh, throughout the course of the film. But the main thing that I appreciate about the film is he is allowed to come to the realization that he is gay and he's not punished for it. Right. So he's not punished for being a bully. He's allowed to come to the realization about himself and, you know, discover his true self, his true, you know, living his true self, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And he's not punished for it. So he's allowed to live life and, you know, carry on knowing that he's now able to, you know, be his true self. So, right. Yeah. Um, it's like I said, it's a small part of the storyline, you know, it's, you know, incidental characters, but the fact that I, you know, this is one of the first mainstream films that kind of put that idea out there and, you know, it didn't punish the bully for, you know, bullying, you know, the bullying his target it allowed him Mm -hmm. to see the error of his ways and you know repent and you know sort of come to terms with who he was it just so happened to be a gay character that was bullying another for being gay yeah i I really think that deserves a lot of uh, mention and uh, a lot of praise for uh doing that and then i think of the first scene when he was like scaring jesse eisenberg away with his dog and he shouted and i think your dog's gay too which is my favorite line in in the whole movie (laughs) But I also oh, love yeah. that because like at the end, it's sort of like Jesse Eisenberg and Milo Ventimiglia reconciled and Milo Ventimiglia played the bully. And then like Milo Ventimiglia's girlfriend becomes Jesse Eisenberg's girlfriend throughout the course of the film. And then the three of them sort of walk off into the sunset together, mm-hmm. which I can only assume they're going to have a three-way. That's the that's my only reading of the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, <laughs> version that I probably would have wanted to watch. But, uh... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So uh, with that, let's get your number seven. Okay. So my number seven is the preeminent gay slasher, the elder statesman of gay slashers, uh, 2004's Hellbent. Um, this was a great movie for any slasher fan, but particularly for gay people who had always kind of envisioned themselves in a slasher movie plot, but never got to see themselves on screen. Here we go, this this one's for us. Um, So it starts with a a traditional slasher cold open where characters who are kind of unrelated to the main plot get murdered by the the movie's killer. But the twist in this one is it's two guys having sex in a car and then one of them gets beheaded because, you know, you always gotta have a little decapitation to, to get the ball rolling. Um, anyway, we then cut to Eddie, a cute gay dude who works in the police station, but is not a cop. Uh, he and his group of gay male friends, well, one of them is bi, which the movie kind of presents as really shocking and alternative, even though by today's standards, that's 
not remotely, uh, you know, controversial, but anyway, so we'll say queer friends. Um, they descend on West Hollywood for the annual Halloween parade party. Now, I just gotta say, I live in West Hollywood. I've been to the Halloween parade. It's nothing like it appears on film. And they also park in what looks like a, like a wooded reservation area and then walk to West Hollywood parade, which is impossible. I'm just, I'm calling BS on that one. Um, but anyway, uh, they're at the parade and soon enough, you know, the masked killer from the opening shows up, starts collecting their heads in a trick-or-treating bag. And then Eddie, the protagonist, meets this really hot motorcycle guy named Jake, which leads them going back to Eddie's place to hook up. And, you know, of course they're interrupted by the killer, which leads to a climactic battle where they defeat the killer. It actually looks really good for a, a limited budget film because it, it, it takes place in an apartment and then onto a landscape. And at one point, one guy is handcuffed and knocked off of the um, the fire escape, and is kind of dangling. And it looks it looks really impressive for what I'm sure is a very very minuscule budget. Um, and then they you know they 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 defeat the killer. They they kill him. Uh, he's being rolled into a uh, into a stretcher, and then they're like, oh wait, he's still alive, and his eyes open. And then um, it's sort of a setup for a sequel that unfortunately never happens. But in terms of like really cool horror uh iconography there's a great moment where the killer he uses like a sickle in order to kill people and he he brings the sickle down on the main character and it hits him right in the eyeball and that's when we learn that the main character has a glass eye because it doesn't you know like puncture and ooze and all that gross stuff that would happen if you actually knifed somebody in the eyeball so it was just a really cool moment like you know you want those kind of iconic kills or even just iconic um shots in a horror film and i thought help did a great job yeah um like you said uh we'll discuss this at a uh, later time on my list but um <laughs> <laughs> well uh for my number six um this was another one that i, I kind of uh inadvertently discovered uh just doing research um well not necessarily inadvertently because uh it was actually discussed earlier on um, episode 10 of my show um i kind of forgotten this one was actually uh related to the topic but um i went with let the right one in mm -hmm. great one yeah um so not only is this you know like a just absolutely masterful vampire film um uh, it's you know easily one of my top 10 favorites uh, if not um even higher i'd almost completely forgotten about the fact that eli presents as non-binary because of what happens in their backstory and um, i forgot that too to be honest with you like i said it's kind of you know it's one of those features that you know you're not necessarily a lot of people really remember or pay that much attention to because you know um for those that don't know um what happened uh, to Eli uh, before they, you know, became vampirized was uh, it's revealed that they were a uh, child opera singer um, back in Italy. And uh, for those that uh, aren't familiar, um, a common practice uh, back then was uh, male castration, which mm -hmm. ended castrati. up, yeah. Yeah, castrati, yeah. which uh, ends up, uh, you know, rendering their voices uh, much higher so that way they could, you know, have a longer lasting career, you know, being, you know, singing higher notes and being, you know, a, a you know, a better performer. But uh, what happened is that Eli gets vampirized uh, shortly afterwards. Um, 
So he's able to go around the world, uh, you know, being non-binary because, you know, he can go both ways. You know, he's still at uh, a young enough age where, you know, it doesn't necessarily look like, you know, it's a male, it's a female, you know, they're, you know, gender fluid in a sense or non-binary, you know, again, I'm not in the community. I don't know which term would fit, but I think either one kind of covers what, uh, you know, covers what's going on. So, yeah, it, it, it probably would be a higher on my list if it was a, uh, you know, more prominent part of the film. But mm -hmm. um, still, the fact that this is still such a good uh, film and, uh, you know, again, it's a topic that, you know, not a lot of people are aware of, uh, you know, goes on the list for that reason. So, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a little secret um, as a member of the queer community. Uh, we we switch up what's appropriate to say all the time because uh, we just we just like to make straight people uncomfortable. That's, okay, that, that's the full motivation. Is okay. we're like we're like, how dare you say non-binary? It's gender fluid now. Oh, if you didn't know that, oh, you're a terrible person. So there you go, there you go. There's an inside uh, secret. Yep. <laughs> and now I'm gonna get kicked out of the queer community. Oh, so. <laughs> well, no worries. Your secret's safe with me. So. Well, thank you, thank you. No one's listening, right? It's just between us. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, cool, cool, cool. All right. So um, let's see. Let me just take my list here. Okay. So we're on number six, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So this is a short film. Uh, and um, I remember you and I talked, I was like, our short films, you know, fair game. Um, and because I have seen so many amazing queer horror short films that I was like, I, you know, they never get the attention that features get. But um, it's just, there are so many that are so talented. There's so many amazing uh, filmmakers out there that I, I really want to shine a little bit of a light on them. So the first one is called uh, Tonight It's You, and it is by uh, ASPD Films. And uh, it was directed by a man named Dominic Haxton, who uh, I've never met, so just full disclosure, I don't know who he is. But um, uh, anyway, it's uh, it, it's a great movie. It's it, It's hard to explain too much of it without really giving away the twist which I which I I don't want to do because I really recommend everybody watch it it's um it's available for free on YouTube so if you just go to tonight it's you uh horror you, you'll probably get it because I think tonight it's you is also a, a song by um uh I'm blanking on the name of the band but a band you would know anyway um it has an awesome like bait and switch plot uh and you think you're getting one story and then the rug gets pulled out from under you. And it's it's basically the, the long and short of it is it's about like this horny guy named CJ who's on a, some sort of like, you know, gay sex app. And he goes to hook up with another guy who lives in a farmhouse. Uh, they have sex, which is shot all in like slow motion in, in just this sort of like deeply unsettling way. So, you know, something terrible is going to happen. The, uh, the other guy's abusive dad shows up with a priest. Uh, I, I don't want to say anything more because I don't want to spoil it, but it's a really, really great film. And I'll forever remember this movie because I was watching it home alone in my uh, in my home. And my husband came home as I was watching it and I didn't hear him come home because I had my headphones in. And it was at the tensest part of the movie. And then he just walks into the room and he's like, hey, and I screamed. And I very rarely scream for watching horror movies, but this was a, this was a big one. It was a very, very fun, jumpy moment so I'll always treasure it for that memory <laughs> alone but it was but it also like legitimately has a great jump scare at that moment in the in the movie so highly recommend tonight it's you 
Nice. All right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not terribly familiar, but um, uh, I felt for the interest of uh, fairness and uh, general conversation as well as awareness, you know, it's all allowed. So <laughs> cool. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, so my number five, uh, this was one that, um, again, this was kind of, uh, you know, related to uh, episode 10. It was one that was uh, kind of pointed out to me um, as being, you know, influenced in the culture. I went with uh, 2003's High Tension. Nice. So, yeah, um, I had always kind of just, you know, thought of it as just like a straightforward slasher, you know, nothing really major, you know, just, you know, some girl who goes crazy. But um, what, during the conversation, a lot of uh, aspects about, you know, the whole idea of obsession and, you know, the entire thing is just, you know, like a lust vehicle because it's, you know, her doing this rampage to try to win her over and, you know, when, you know, get the, you know, get the affections of this girl that's not interested. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was kind of like, you know, oh yeah, that, you know, that actually does play a factor in it. You know, you know, if a guy did this, you know, you'd look at him as, you know, yeah, it was, you know, there would be like a, a whole, you know, whole thing about, you know, if a guy did this for another guy, why not if a girl did it for another girl? And it was, you know, like, you know, one of those, Daha, you know, like coin drop, you know, <laughs> moments. And I was like, you know, that makes a little bit more sense. And I, I'm still not entirely fine with the twist. I, I still have my issues with, you know, what goes on in there. But, uh, the, you know, again, you know, it's one of those, the entire film is set up as a ploy to win the affections of another female. And you know, that, that kind of speaks for something, you know, that's got to, you know, register for, you know, a few points on this kind of a list. You know, again, the film is really good as it is. So um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of it, uh, you know, anyway, but, you know, the fact that it, you know, it plays out as, you know, peacocking or, you know, mm-hmm. kind of showboating in a sense of like, you know, look at what I'm willing to do for you, you know, like, why don't you love me kind of a thing. It, it, it definitely has a lot to, you know, a lot of uh, merit for the community. So not necessarily highlighting it on the best of points, but, you know, showing that there's, you know, the possibility that it exists in, everywhere. So yeah, um, for me, I went with uh, high tension number five. So it's, uh, it's about this guy um, who is, uh, he goes to a sauna essentially to, you know, find sex with other gentlemen. And um, he just keeps kind of rejecting everyone. And, uh, and then as will happen sometimes when you go to a gay sauna, there is a full zombie invasion. And he finds himself, you know, running from zombies. And earlier in the film, he uh, rejects this uh, older man who I, I believe is of Middle Eastern or Indian descent. And uh, and then during the course of the film of the zombie invasion, they, they ally and they figure out ways to, you know, get away from the zombies and stuff. And it's, um, uh, you know, it, it's there's actually a really welcome message in there about racism within the gay community, which is a huge problem. And somehow the message doesn't feel forced at all. It just feels like a natural part of the, the script, which is cool. There's some pretty good scares. The zombie makeup is really good. Um, in the grand tradition of sort of more um, mainstream 
horror, there are guys in towels in this huge action sequence and somehow no towel drops at any moment. <laughs> All these <laughs> towels are magically glued to their waists, which is incredible. Um, but you know, it's really fun. It's a, it's a, uh, it's not too scary, but it certainly is, I would classify it as horror, but uh, yeah, it's great. It's, it's a really, it's a good romp, I would say. And it's well acted and well written. And I, I really love the two main actors. I thought those guys were awesome. And yeah, Sound of the Dead also available on YouTube for free. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely interested in that one. Uh, <laughs> sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, moving on to uh, my number four. Uh, this is another one that um, I actually discovered recently. This was one that um, I, I had seen this in a before um, we agreed to do this, but um, I, I'd seen it uh, just based on a few recommendations from uh, some friends of mine who mm -hmm. knew that I would kind of like the film and that it would be, uh, you know, something right up my alley. Um, I went with 2018's Knife Plus Heart. Oh, yes, uh, Knife Plus Heart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I had kind of missed this earlier um, and a friend of mine had recommended it to me, um, you know, just uh, for those that don't know, I'm a huge fan of uh, giallos and uh, Euro horror uh, in general. So this was kind of a weird one that I, I missed just because it was one that it, it kind of appealed to me, um, you know, being a giallo throwback. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I I fell in love with this. Um, I had so much fun with it. Uh, you know, it's a great setup. I love the idea of, the, you know, this company that's just inadvertently, you know, doing these, you know, gay porn films and, you know, they come across this killer that's uh, killing them because they inadvertently filmed this one scene that had been a sort of, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember the subtitles here. It was kind of like a yeah. half-hearted recreation of uh, what happened to him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah. one of the scenes they had uh, inadvertently recreated a scene that uh, had affected him. Um, and so he strikes back and starts uh, killing the group uh, one by one. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, you have, uh, you know, your great uh, giallo scenes, uh, you know, the fantastic lighting, all the, you know, usual genre accoutrements. It's just, you know, instead of, you know, seeing lesbians, you know, make love to each other, it's, you know, guys shooting, you know, gay sex scenes so right. and of course a dildo with a switchblade in it oh that's uh fantastic yeah that uh <laughs> we that talk opening. about horror icons right that's, yeah that uh yeah yeah that uh fantastic scene in the car outside where guy yep. uh, gets the guy who's blowing him but um yep. <laughs> yeah the fact that this is just you know a, a straightforward homage there's very little here that uh you know wouldn't be out of place in uh, you know Italy circa 1972. Right. It's just, you know, you swap everybody out, you know, you swap Edwidge Fennec and, uh, you know, Barbara Boucher out for, you know, these guys and <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the fact that it's so open and, uh, you know, transgressive about everything, you know, it's completely transparent and letting everybody have their moments. You have some great characters. Um, I, have, I have a lot of fun with a couple of the casts that come about. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, uh, the fact that it's just absolutely just open ended and, you know, lets them have their moments, you know, nobody really comes off that bad. It's just, you know, they inadvertently film something and, you know, he's out seeking revenge. You know, it's something that, you know, any normal slasher would do, you know, they, you know, came across somebody that had, you know, filmed a movie and, had, you know, inadvertently recreated what had happened to them for their movie, you know, sets them off on a rage and, you know, they start killing one by one you know i can see that in a normal genre fair but you know doing it in a gay you know 
gay porn community, you know, it's definitely open for, you know, that kind of a movement. So um, yeah, my number four, uh, Knife Plus Art. Nice. Uh, all right, well, in the uh, continuing the thread of gay sexuality, my number four is Stranger by the Lake, which is also a French film, because Knife Plus Art is a French film, is it not? Uh, yes, right? There's multiple countries. I think French oh, okay. France is one of them. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah, there's like three or four countries, but um, I I can't remember what offhand. Uh, <laughs> there's like like I said, I think France is the main one because it's got the French uh, the French name. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Uh, so anyway, Stranger by the Lake is a really interesting film. It, there's not a huge amount of plot to it. Um, it's it's sort of surprisingly simple for a feature, but it's just like a, a lonely gay dude named Frank. Uh, goes looking for <laughs> goes looking for love, but goes you know looking for more physical manifestations of love on a um, on a gay nude beach where all the guys kind of hook up in the bushes and stuff, and um, he sees this one guy who it looks exactly like Tom Selleck from the eighties, and he and he just falls for him. He thinks he's so hot. Then he sees this guy drown another guy like forcefully drown him and then inexplicably behaves for the entire movie like he didn't witness it even though we see it happen <laughs> through his eyes and he kind of pursues the the Tom Selleck guy not in the sense that he's trying to to get him arrested but he's trying to form a relationship with him they have a, a lot of sex which um at some points in the movie, they swap with body doubles who are having non-simulated sex on screen. So that was something that I didn't know going into the movie. So if that's something that, you know, <laughs> is a deal breaker, just know ahead of time. Um, anyway, then uh, Frank decides that he's scared of the killer and runs away. Then he comes back to him. The movie ends without us knowing if he gets murdered or not. It's, it's a little perplexing. People call it... Um, Hitchcockian. I don't know if I would agree with that, but it's certainly an interesting movie just to kind of talk about. Um, and it's notable probably for the fact that most of the cast is completely naked for most of the film. And, um, you know, and again, there's non-simulated sex. So if you want to watch something like that, but also as a foreign film with subtitles, so you can feel highbrow when watching it, there you go. Your, your needs are met. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think like, it's just one of those movies that's such kind of a, uh, I'm, I'm so surprised it got made considering all the reasons that you would think it would not get made. It is kind of a, just a wonderment and sort of just an interesting kind of footnote in queer horror for sure. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, um, I haven't uh, heard of this, so it uh, sounds intriguing. Um, it, it's, I think yeah. it's on Shutter. It was on Shutter at one point. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I I didn't spend too much time looking there. Um, I I know uh, what keeps you around was there, <laughs> so um, I I didn't really venture much further. Um, I mean, I didn't have time to be honest, but um, I'm definitely interested in this. I'll have to uh, yeah. check it down. Yeah. So. Um, <clears throat> Moving on to uh, my number three. Uh, this one was one that um, it won me over um, immediately. Um, I, I saw this uh, early. I got a uh, advanced screener for it uh, through a production company that um, I worked with. Um, 2021's Death Drop Gorgeous. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, there's just uh, no end to uh, how much fun this one was. Um, I had a blast with it. Uh, so basically, uh, you know, this guy goes to work for a, uh, you know, gay drag, uh, 
commune. Um, I'm not necessarily sure what the term would be, but, uh, you know, it's a gay drag show. And yeah, like uh, a bar where they have drag shows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, he basically uh, starts realizing that uh, the members of the uh, members of the show are being killed off one by one. And uh, <laughs> he has to team up with his friend to uh, try to stop the murders while you know dealing with the unwanted lust from several of the other patrons that uh, haven't been knocked off yet but yeah i had so much fun with this uh there's so many great fun characters in here everybody has you know everybody's really likable everybody's really fun you know the kills are really fun really uh you know brutal there's uh, you know some great gore in here and uh, yeah. yeah it you know it's one of those that's just all about you know being involved in the gay community and giving them a slasher that you know you swap out a bunch of lesbians for uh, what goes on in here and it's a straight film so uh right sure. yeah all of yeah. the you know i i really appreciate those kinds of films and that's one of the you know things that i i kind of get I, I as i discovered a little bit more in the community the fact that if all you did was you just swap the genders of what's going on and nothing would change you know that to mm -hmm. me it plays into the community really really well so yeah I agree. And plus it has the um, glory hole kill. Where oh, I'm, guy, I'm always a sucker for glory hole kills. Oh, where the guy sticks his thing in the, what was it, like a meat grinder or something? It was so unsettling to watch. But um, Yeah, I think that was the one, yeah. because Oh, it's so gross. But also all the um, drag queens, from what I understand, that were in the film are working drag queens. Um, that makes so much sense, yeah, because yeah. um, a lot of that makeup was just way too good to be, you know, mm -hmm. just run-of-the-mill kind of, you know, right. makeup. And also the, um, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil too much, but there's a moment where the the protagonist is confronting the antagonist. I'm not going to say who it is, and he just goes, uh, you know, the antagonist like has a knife and is killing people, and he just goes, "You're you don't have to do this. You're so young and beautiful." And the 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 villain just goes, "Thank you." <laughs> like it's just. I, my husband and I say that to each other all the time because it's just so fun. Yeah, but yeah, that is that is quite a film for sure. Yeah. yeah, and also, fun fact: I first saw that at the Soho Horror Film Festival, which is a London-based uh, film festival, and they uh, they showed it um, last summer. So I got to see it. I think pr pretty early on in its life, way before it got onto Shutter. So yeah, it was it was cool. I got to see that a while ago. It's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely give that one a watch if you missed it last year. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. So my number three. Uh, I know we've already touched on this, but it is Fear Street. Nice. Um, <laughs> and again, I did the exact same thing you did. I'm just counting it. I know it's a trilogy, but I just count it as one project. And I mean, you know, you pretty much hit all the notes that I was gonna <clears throat> that I was gonna say, but basically like it was fun to see the way that they tied the different genres together because the 90s high school horror one felt very much like a 90s horror film the i thought the the ode to 70s summer camp horror felt really spot on i i fully agree with you that the the period costume witch-esque 1700s one was the one that i was kind of most excited about but maybe least um, yeah uh, I don't want to say least entertained by, but just sort of like. It, it, I, I find it weird that that's the one everybody says is the best. Oh, do they? I didn't know that. Well, it's uh, three ended up, uh, you know, just recently it ended up winning the uh, Fangoria Award. Mm. That is interesting. I would have thought either, I would have probably thought the second one did. That's because... what, That was my thing because yeah. I, 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 <laughs> 
speaking from personal experience, I was more interested in leaving two going to three than I was go from one going to two. Agreed. Agreed 100%. Yeah. yeah. And also, like, I am a sucker for a summer camp horror film. Mm. <laughs> I, I love a summer camp horror film. I went to camp as a, as a kid. And so, like, I remember having these, like, kind of fantasies about, like, what would happen if there was a killer or something, you know, because it's like when you're at a summer camp, you are removed from society. Like, you can't, you're kind of sequestered away. So you, it really could become Lord of the Flies very easily. And I used to just love that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah, so there we go. Oh, also, one more thing I'm going to say about Fear Street yeah. is it's kind of fun to see the new class of, like, teen scream cast member actors sort of forming you know and like uh there were a few of the the um the actors in this that i've seen in other horror genre projects so it's kind of i feel like a little bit like we're getting back to that kind of late 90s early 2000s thing where all of the all of the like the 20 somethings that play teenagers on the on the wb slash cw shows then they would spend their summers filming horror films so it's kind of fun to like see a little bit of that energy coming back oh, nice yeah um <laughs> so uh moving on to uh my number two i i know a lot not a lot of people have seen this because every time i bring it up um i, I bring it up on a couple of these past shows uh, including episode 10 um but uh, i've done it on several others and nobody's seen it and nobody's heard of it and <laughs> it's really underwhelming and it's really kind of, kind of depressing because um I'll, I'll say this uh when it came out it was uh, my film of the year um it was my favorite film uh for 2019 i went with bit bit yes got it yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So like I said, this was uh, the film that I, uh, this was my favorite film of 2019. I absolutely loved every second of this. Um, so again, uh, you know, try to be, you know, a little non-spoilery about it, but um, it involves a, a teen who moves uh, with her family to a, uh, uh, I think it's a suburb outside of Los Angeles. I'm not, uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't entirely remember where, but I, I believe it's a small suburb outside of Los Angeles. And she falls in with a uh, pack of female vampires who are mm -hmm. attempting to <laughs> clean the uh, streets of douchebags and, you know, mm -hmm. other uh, desire, non-desirables. But uh, it turns out that the uh, vampire master who had uh, infected the first girl that uh, started the click, he's come back and is uh, looking for revenge. So they have to, you know, deal with him while still dealing with all the other issues. But uh, man, this was uh, just an absolute blast. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, the, mo the most important part about this is uh, the fact that the main actress, both in the film and uh, the character that uh, she plays is a transgender. Yes, yes. So uh, yeah, um, it's an actual transgender um, playing a transgender character. And uh, the fact that, you know, she falls in with this, you know, this coven of lesbian vampires who are attempting to, you know, keep the vampirism out of the hands of men and, you know, using it to sort of keep, you know, them at bay and trying not to, you know, ensure that there's no men that, you know, get their hands on it and trying to, you know, keep the streets clean and trying to, you know, keep all the, you know, scum douchebag men at bay, you know, trying to you know just hit on women all the time or you know dealing with all that other kind of stuff uh yeah the, this was just an absolute blast i had so much fun with it um 
And yeah, uh, like I said, this was, uh, you know, I like this more than Lighthouse. I like this more than Midsommar, or, you know, <laughs> all those other kind of films. It was this, you know, indie vampire film about this transgender person. So, yeah, yeah um, it, I, I know it's available on uh, various streaming platforms. Um, I, I've seen it on uh, Tubi. I've seen it on Prime. Um, I, I'm sure that there's a few other places out there if you look for it, but um yeah, if you can't give this a watch, because I, I just absolutely love this. I had so much fun with it. And, you know, giving a transgender character prominence and priority in the film. Yeah, yeah really appropriate. And, uh, you know, for this kind of a format, definitely worthy of my list. So agreed. Agreed. You love to see it. And it's still so rare that we actually see trans representation in any way, let alone positive trans representation. So for sure. Um, cool. All right. So my number two is another short film, the last short film on the list. So this one is called The Cruise uh, by a filmmaker named uh, Richard Lupersong. A uh, little backstory, my show Demon Hunter was at the uh, Cinema Diverse Film Festival in Palm Springs in 2021. And I, uh, my show was included in a horror block. So I, I didn't know any of the other projects or any of the other filmmakers or whatever. I just sort of went in cold um, and then one of them was this movie called The Cruise, and it was so well done that as soon as it was finished, I turned to my team. I was like, we have to find out who made this because this was incredible. Um, but anyway, the plot centered around uh, two boyfriends. I think it was on Halloween night. And they visit a park that was famous for guys cruising. And then um, an urban legend sort of came of the park in that uh, there was like a, a killer in a werewolf mask who brutally slaughtered a bunch of these men that were, um, you know, cruising around the park. And there's a lot of laughs. There's, a, there's some decent scares. Some, this is a weird note, but some of the best fog I've ever seen in an indie film. And I can tell you as a filmmaker, fog is not easy to pull off well. Um, and then it, it has like a final jump scare where I literally jumped when I was uh, watching it and all of my team made fun of me for the rest of the day. Um, but it's, uh, it's just, it's such a great example of filmmaking and really, really doing something cool. And I, I hope uh, Richard can make it into a feature because I just, I'm such a fan of his and of the film. So I would say The Cruise. And also, by the way, you can see that as well on Facebook for free, or not Facebook, sorry, uh, YouTube for free. So if you just type The Cruise uh, Gay Horror, you'll, you'll find it and it's awesome. Highly recommend. Nice. Um, I will actually do you one better and um, I will have all of these links in the uh, show notes down below um, as oh, well as. Awesome. So yeah, um, I'll uh, do the legwork for you guys. So um, I'll Thank have everything you. with uh, everything there for you to uh, check out. Cool. Can uh, we throw in the link to the first episode of Demon Hunter? <laughs> well, um, we'll do that with <laughs> I'll uh, have Listen, that with uh, the rest of the links. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm always promoting. I'm yeah. always plugging. You know, that's how we do it. That's how we do it out here. Well, yeah, that was uh, the thing I was going to say. Was um, I'll have all your links in there as well. So, nice. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, uh, <laughs> I guess that uh, leaves us with um, our top choices, but. Um, Unfortunately, um, if you've been paying attention, uh, mine's kind of been spoiled. Uh, my number one is Hellbent. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, I was saying earlier that, you know, 
swapping out characters and just making you know everybody you know in more traditional formats would you know add a, that would you know change nothing to the story just absolutely appeals to me when you're doing this kind of thing and yeah. that's it, exactly what Helvin is to a T I mean this is a straightforward traditional slasher film that it just so happens that their characters are gay and all yeah. of the you know interactions that take place would you know just be completely normal and you wouldn't think twice if it was a you know straight film with you know this being men and women together, you know, there's no difference in, you know, any of the, you know, interactions that take place, you know, all of the hookups would feel normal. You know, it, mm -hmm. it just so happens that, you know, this is a character that, you know, the characters are gay and I, I see nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, you know, th that just, uh, the scene against the sickle is just absolutely iconic. I, I mm -hmm. love that. It's the, you know, it's the poster art for a reason, you know, mm -hmm. yep. but oh, yeah. God, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and if people are squeamish about eyeball stuff, <laughs> that, yeah. just, that will that would well it gets all it gets under your skin. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the fact that it occurs in a you know it, it's a, it's a unique place in the in the film, so it's not necessarily you know. I mean, yeah, it's the, you know, like I said, it's the poster art for a reason, but it's not, you know, in the most obvious place for it to be. So it's still kind of a surprise when it happens. Right. But uh, I mean, you know, the kills are fantastic. You know, the uh, killer's iconic. I love that just devil mask that he wears. Oh, it's such a cool mask. Yeah. It looks so, it looks so good on screen. And, you know, the early Giallo lighting, you know, that kind of plays with a lot of that, you know, disco neon kind of lighting thing, you know, mm -hmm. where it keeps them in the shadows. Yeah, it just looks amazing. And, you know, it's just so much fun. And, you know, go in like I did. It's just a slasher film. You know, the characters are just gay. That's the only difference with this one against, you know, any of the other, you know, Sleepaway Camps or Friday the 13th or, you know, any of the other kind of stuff that, you know, has popped up in the scene, you know, since its creation. Just, it, like I said, it was just one of those films that just stuck with me for a reason. And I had so much fun with it that, it, you know, it started, you know, my, I wouldn't necessarily say huge expanse into the genre but it, it definitely made me feel like it was uh, a scene worth exploring and something that there was you know a lot more than you know the you know unfortunate david dakota films that i had seen previously but <laughs> i'm yeah. so sorry that you saw those <laughs> that can be hard yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. so like i said if you've seen you know if you're curious about you know willing to see what this stuff has to offer this is the perfect entry point and it's then you know it still holds up to this day so for sure yeah 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 absolutely yeah an easy cool. choice for me at number one so unfortunately yeah spoiled a little bit but uh it's still <laughs> it's worth it so, so yeah. awesome so my number one is uh i was really trying to figure out like okay what's the movie that i have the most fun re-watching of kind of all of the stuff that we brought out here and you'd already mentioned it but i'm gonna go with jennifer's body um, I just, you know, I mean, it's a cult classic for a reason. I think it's really interesting that it was like almost completely ignored when it first came out. Um, but I just, I think it's cool. I think it's fun. It's slick. It is a throwback to nineties horror, but still felt of the, the era. Um, I think Amanda Seyfried is amazing. Um, I, I, for everybody who doesn't believe that Megan Fox can act, watch this movie because she actually is a very good performer on screen and you know and the and the third star of the movie is diablo cody's dialogue um it's just fun it's witty it's quippy nobody talks like 
the characters in her movies, but that's the point, you know, it's just like a little yeah. bit of escapist fantasy about how clever and witty every character is. Um, some people find that grating. I enjoy it. You know, I, I think we go to movies for a reason and, you, you know, this is a movie about a girl who gets murdered in a human sacrifice by a band who is appealing to Satan to give them fame and fortune. So it's like, we're not really dealing in the realm of realistic stuff anyway. <laughs> so I'm totally okay with characters being way more witty than any high school student has ever been in history. But, um, but yeah, you know, I just thought it was, it's a, it's a very much firmly set in the two thousands. Maybe it actually, when I watch it now, I get a little nostalgic for that time. Um, so yeah, mine is Jennifer's body. Nice. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I go back and forth on it. Um, there's times where I like it. There's times where it just, it looks weird just because, you know, you're seeing Jennifer Lawrence and Amanda Seyfried who, you know, unfortunately are a little too old to be playing high school teenagers, but. Oh, Megan Fox, not, not Jennifer Lawrence, but yes. Oh, yes, Megan I Fox. Yeah. 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 Jennifer Lawrence probably was old enough to play a high school student in 2008, but yes. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's a little younger. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, uh, I, I think that's kind of, like I said, that was like my, my thing with it. But other than that, I, I have a lot of fun with it as well. So it's uh, definitely worthwhile for a reason. So <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, um, before we head out of here, do we have uh, any other honorable mentions uh, to bring out? Um, I do. My honorable mention, uh, it just came out, I think last year, maybe two years ago, is The Hunt, which stars Betty Gilpin and Hilary Swank. Now, it is not overtly a queer movie at all, but there is a level of camp that I feel is so gay when you watch it. And it's like the whole movie leads up to this incredible catfight between Betty Gilpin and Hilary Swank. And I mean, brutal, but also funny. And like the pre-fight banter is a camp classic. Hilary Swank has this monologue about making grilled cheese, which it should be studied in, in schools teaching acting. It's so good. And there's also like, there's no male love interest for either one of them. So there's a little bit of lesbian energy when they come together. It's so again, like this might be me totally reading something that doesn't exist in the movie into it. But uh, but I, I'm gonna say my honorable mention is The Hunt and it's on HBO Max, I think. So people can find it, it's great. Nice, yeah. Um, I, I had a lot of fun with that part as well. It was my favorite yeah. scene in the film. Mm. So yeah. I, so I, good. Yeah, it was, it was really fun, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so good. Yeah, um, so uh, like I said, uh, the one um, that I'll bring up uh, in similar vein to uh, Hellbent, um, an early uh, slasher from the 2000, early 2000s called Make-A-Wish, which was a uh, lesbian uh, slasher film, um, you know, all females, you know, no men, but um, I, I don't really remember a whole lot about it, and it's kind of disappeared into obscurity for a reason, but um, just in the sense of trying to, you know, establish, you know, more inclusivity and more trying to, like, you know, make a little more level and balanced playing field uh still worth a mention but uh wish i could say more about it just because it's been a while since i've seen it but um yeah uh cool. yeah i guess we'll uh end it there so awesome. uh yeah this was a, a lot of fun i really appreciate it oh my god thank you so much for having me on this is so cool yeah so uh yeah uh, before we go uh do you have any place uh we can find you and uh, your work online <laughs> 
Yes. Um, so if you go to demonhunter.com, which is spelled D-E-M-O-N-H-U-N-T-R.com. So there's no final E um, at the end of that. Uh, that's um, That'll bring you uh, to a website that's, that's all about my show. It's a queer horror action comedy, martial arts, Greek myth extravaganza. <laughs> There's just, it's as, it's as gay as you get and as silly as you get. Our biggest uh, uh, influences were Buffy the Vampire Slayer and the Evil Dead. Uh, so, you know, if that's something that appeals to you, please check us out. Uh, our, first, um, our first episode is available for free uh, on our website. So you can just go there and check it out. And if you like it, um, the whole series is available for purchase on Amazon Prime and, iTunes and Google Play and Roku and all that fun video on demand stuff where you can find stuff. <laughs> so that's where we are. Nice. Uh, yeah, um, I will, uh, like I said, um, in addition to all of the uh, shorts mentioned during the show, I will have everything linked down below for you all to uh, check out in the show notes down below. So awesome. yeah, um, I really appreciate it. And uh, this sounds like a uh, fine welcoming for, uh, you know, the month. Awesome. Thanks, Don. This was so cool. Yeah. Yeah, this definitely felt like a uh, worthy celebration to uh, kick things off. So, you know, for those of you that are listening, thank you for enjoying the show. And uh, we will see you next week with a new topic. So until then. Bye.